All right, guys, welcome back. Mixed Company. We are now on episode 37, hey, getting hey. close to our 40s. I feel like we're going to hit our 40s by the end of the year. We're going to finish oh, off season two maybe. in our 40s. We're real adults. We're kind of real adults. We have real things to say. We've got real guests. We've got real thoughts. It's like, this is a big deal. How y'all doing? I'm doing good. I'm still here. There we go. That's it? You're just still here? All right, well, that's good. Karina's still here. Simeon's doing okay. And we actually have a couple guests, if you will, today. We have a not-so-minor guest, but a shadow. My cousin Demetrius is here. Um, he's in high school, and he's totally shadowing to see what his big cousin does, which is not much. <laughs> she, sh- she sets up her, her MacBook and some, and some microphones and calls it a podcast. That's cool with you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> and then we have our queen diva herself here, Miss Mrs. Felicia. Got, no, <laughs> is that? Listen, I just said we've legal. been That's we've true. been we've been told before that we need to respect one's husband, a couple husbands on the show. So I like to lead with Mrs. and you tell me to go kick okay. rocks. No, no, no. Okay. That's, it's just so weird to hear that. Like, <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, where's Mrs. Geiger? And I was like, um, <laughs> I haven't seen her. I don't really know. But it's it's <laughs> an honor to be here. I've followed and listened for uh, quite some time. Awesome. Not since, you know, episode one, but delved <laughs> in um, when uh, Simeon kind of gave it a shout out and started talking about everything that you were doing and am very impressed. I feel like you are the voice for those who are afraid to speak up or topics that um, a lot of folks feel are taboo. So kudos to you for keep going. And, you know, as we're discussing today, resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it's important. And in a time where you would think that we wouldn't be discussing certain things, um, it's even more relevant. So Yeah, we talk about all kinds here. of things. We talk about all the things, everything. Um, so before we get started, if you don't mind to give a quick, like, short intro of yourself, like, where do you come from? What do you do? Why should other people besides us who fangirl over you all the time on this show know you? Um, yeah, a short bio. I take the R train from Bay Ridge. No. <laughs> um, so I think for those who know me, know that I have been um, in the advertising industry for over 20 years and have worked at um, agencies such as TBWA, Chayette, and Deutsch, um, Igami, it's a multicultural marketing PR firm, um, have worked with the Forays, and now I'm at a awesome company by the name of Mission Media USA. They are based in the UK. Um, started out as a recruiter down on Wall Street and worked in uh, technology recruiting back in the day when it was like, oh my God, Java, it's not just coffee. So <laughs> it was an incredibly interesting time where companies thought that Y2K, the world was going to end and computers were going to blow up. Um, made my way to MTV and from there found my way um, to Deutsch for a small stint as a recruiter. Went to TBWA and then back at Deutsch for several years where I wore many hats such as recruiter and HR and then got involved in diversity and inclusion. And, you know, it's funny because as a born and bred New Yorker and somebody who went to public school, um, diversity is all I know. It's the people I grew up with. It's the people I went to school with. It's people I went to college with. So when you get to the workplace and all of a sudden you see that 
there are different sets of rules for, you know, different sets of folks, whether they're, well, that's because it's upper management or, well, it's because you're, you know, you're just entering the workplace. Um, so being the voice and making sure that everybody's voice is heard um, because we all matter. You can't create something and talk about serving it to the masses if there is no um, cultural collaboration, if you will. So really, really happy to be here. Amen. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. <laughs> it's so funny because when I do listen to the pod, I always hear you laughing, and now I can picture you giggling. <laughs> I should trademark it. That's how people know me. You're, you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll laugh in the agency, and they're like, is that Karina laughing? And I'm like, I should really trademark this thing. <laughs> That'd yeah. be a real interesting trademark. Well, like, Fran Drescher has her, like, nasal voice. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can have my laugh. Totally have your laugh. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's great. And we've mentioned you on several occasions um, on the show. And I, th I think we've all, we all have stories or like first intro meetings with you um, and definitely your spirit and a lot of like even the small things that you have said to each of us at some point in time in passing or whatever has kind of helped us um, be resilient and, and push forward and advocate for um the type of work environment that we feel would be the the utopia to work within. Um, we don't have to be 100% perfect, but we should try, and that's what we kind of push for on the show. So we're super stoked to have you here. We hope this conversation is as transparent as you like to hear it. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we can go from there. So I'm going to go ahead and transition into dope shit or ain't shit. Um, sure. And, Demetrius, cover your ears. Don't tell your mother I cursing in front of you on the show. Yeah, I know you've heard worse. Um, but yeah, so just so you know, dope shit ain't shit. This is where we talk about things going on in the in the industry or in um, cousin industries as it deals with communications, the great things happening or the not so great things happening. Um, I'd like to start since I have good news to share, um, which is kind of along the lines of listener feedback. So one of our... Um, consistent and loyal listeners, Ms. Cara Adams, actually got engaged over the weekend at Howard Homecoming. Ooh. Applause, Ooh. applause, applause. I'm so happy for everyone. Um, I'm extremely excited for her. In fact, her engagement actually went viral on several social media, I'm sorry, or media publication sites such as Essence.com, I think WatchTheYard.com. Um, right, it was a big deal, and not just because it was Howard Homecoming, but also because, like, it was just dope. It was sweet. It was dope. It was perfect for her. Um, we're excited for you, Cara, as you are constantly excited for our success, so major shout-out to you. Can't wait to see all the pictures from, from your getting-ready-to-be-married process, so what's that, fittings, bachelorette, engagements, receptions all the, all those things we're super excited to hear it and congratulations to you and keith yeah congrats awesome and then um i'll go with my real dope my not that that wasn't real but my real dope shit was we've actually started um or fallen into a new platform here at mixed company which we've been calling mixed company and conversations um essentially what we've been doing is looking to expand our network beyond just being here on the podcast, we also want to make sure that we have the opportunity to meet 
listeners, potential listeners, uh, panelists, um, mentors, friends, etc., that also have a passion for diversity and inclusion and just invite folk to eat and drink and be merry because you don't just have to do that around Christmas. Um, so far, we have had um, the opportunity to meet with um, past listener or sorry, past guests such as Tasha Gilroy, um, Goddess Rivera. Um, last week, we actually met with Gary Nix, who actually um, hopefully we can have on the show in 2018. And the list is growing as we move forward. So. If any of you would be interested in just sitting down and enjoying several beverages with us because we work in advertising or just a meal, um, we're totally down for that, and we'd love to just kind of have a conversation, meet folk, and be great. Yeah. And we talk more than just advertising. I mean, last week with Gary, we talked about life things. Life. It's more than just work. We like to get to know our listeners. We like to get to know our um, our guests. You know, it's... We want to grow the network slash family in diversity inclusion. So come along, come down, get down. Hey. Oh, I don't have, oh, you looked at me for dope shit, ain't shit. This week, Karina's a disappointment. She's an ain't shit today. Because I don't have any, I've been living under a rock for the past week and a half. Mm -hmm. Hashtag advertising life, so. Okay. Okay, I'll take your dope shit then. Yay! I'll do these two dope shits. <laughs> Felicia being here. Yes, that is true. Felicia's actually was the person who got me into advertising because I gave Felicia my resume and Felicia gave it to Marcia Windross, who's at IPG. Yeah. And she got me my first gig. So you being here is my Full dope circle. shit. Oh. My second dope shit is me. <laughs> 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 true on brand. Because, on brand. Uh, I did another AT&T film competition over the weekend, and we got third place. Uh, we filmed uh, clap, a clap, short clap, film clap, clap. in 24 awesome. hours, edited in a very, very long night, and it was dope. And we got third place. I what also want to say it was dope because I watched it. Yeah, I watched it twice yesterday. The first time just to say I'm a good friend, and I watched it. The <laughs> second time because I was like that impressed. Friend, is it online already? Uh, I can show you. It's Excellent. not. Excellent. I would love. To. It's I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I saw it. The psychological thing. Oh, oh, you saw it? Yeah. How did you see it? You showed it. <laughs> no, that was that was the first one. This is the second one. Oh, I'm excited. I'm, t- I'm two films You're in. You're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> get I'll, into it. <laughs> you get to it. I'll probably be friends. Yeah, this is this is the second one. Today, uh, AT&T, next day, Sundance. Just remember, you I'm know the small people. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. You still yeah. doing this podcast, though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't forget don't care you don't, how big you get. Don't forget your priorities. You will do this podcast. You know yeah. what? I was impressed with, and not to give it away, because I don't know if you're going to be showing it to a wider it, audience yeah. down we're the gonna road. Get, we're going to submit it to film festivals. Okay. Well, I appreciate the. I know you talk a lot about empathy on the show and how important it is for um, people when working with other people or just engaging with other people need to take a step back or outside of themselves and kind of see things from another perspective. And you did, I think the team did that so well with this film, which is why I had to watch it the second time. Like I was like, oh, that is exactly how I feel as a woman walking down the street. So So shout out to uh, Keith Ben, who was one of the actors who I collaborated with on it. 
and uh, the director Olu Bliss, who Bingo. who m- many many people know as Bingo, who directed the hell out of this. Uh, we had a lot of deep conversations about toxic masculinity and how to be allies for women while we were uh, working on production for this. And so hopefully when it's up for everyone to see, um, everyone will enjoy it and learn something from it. And also shout out to Olu Bliss because he dropped his music video today for um, Dive In. So go check that out. It's beautiful. Beautifully done. The homies, we do dope shit. Yes. (laughs) Should we have a mixed company film festival? (laughs) Music festival or an arts festival. Music arts festival. There you go. We're going to do it. We could just do a dope shit festival. Yes. Part of of why we're here is to kind of highlight the fact that there's diverse talent out there that's doing dope shit that can be utilized by agencies. So if you are a listener and you do dope shit, please send it to us so that we can shout you out, listen to it, watch it, share it, do all of that dope shit. Yeah, and if you want to do a dope shit festival, come down and get down for our dinner. So yeah, yeah. with it. Okay. All right. Felicia, do you have anything you'd like to share as dope shit or possibly ain't shit based on anything? I'm the mother of a college student, and I'm keeping it all together. And that right there. <laughs> that is dope. That is dope. That's <laughs> so dope. I have not, you know, I left when I was supposed to, and he didn't open up a closet and let him pop out and be like, I'm still here. So um, I think uh, one of the hardest things in motherhood is knowing when to walk away from your child. So uh, kudos to all the moms out there, and, you know, one day at a time. But to know that you've raised a responsible adult, so far responsible, um, to know that you've raised a responsible person and um, your cousin's gonna be going and going through these experiences soon, it's uh, it's really, really cool. Although it's hard to believe I am the mother of a college student, just saying. That's so sweet. I don't think my mom cried. Um, so <laughs> this is just like, oh, well, oh, bye. My, <laughs> my parents just... <laughs> My parents just drove off. I, I, I appreciated it. Oh, yeah, no, Sonia and Ricky definitely drove off, but not not before asking me, because I went to school in D.C., so not before asking me, are you sure you want to be here with the bum in the wheelbarrow, which is a real story. There was a, there was a homeless man in a real wheelbarrow without legs arguing with another woman who, if you know anything about D.C., they have a long history with um, drug abuse. So this woman was clearly um, abusing a substance at that moment. And they had a full uh, exchange, which I'm sure it wasn't supposed to be funny, and I'm sure that it was supposed to be very serious to them. But if you could just take a step outside of being PC for a moment and imagine a man in a wheelbarrow with no legs um, using a stick to chase down another woman um, who is acting crazy, quite frankly, um, and you're about to leave your child there to matric- matriculate for four to five years. I did spend five years. You can imagine they were not comfortable. But once I said I was comfortable, they were like, peace, we need to save ourselves. <laughs> and they drove and went home. <laughs> It was great. I mean, I made it out alive. So congrats to you. This is going to be quite an uh, experience for you, I'm sure. All the fun stories, all the fun laundry and whatever else they bring back with them. That's what we do. Um, I can't wait to hear those stories. (laughs) 
All right, so I'm going to go ahead and transition into our topic for today, um, which uh, if you guys were listening earlier, Felicia mentioned, we're going to be talking about resilience. And today's topic is how to be resilient, um, especially in terms of the workplace. Uh, We talk about all the time on this show multiple experiences or countless experiences that we've had where we kind of just had to put our big girl panties on or big boy drawers on and just be grown and deal with it. But a lot of just dealing with it in the workplace means that we also have to figure out how to make the best of the situation. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read the definition for resilience, which not to be condescending, but because I think it's important for us to understand what perspective we're coming from when we have this this discussion. So resilience, uh, to be able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions or of a substance or object able to recoil or spring back into shape after bending, stretching, or being compressed. Um, I think both definitions are going to be, to help guide us in this conversation, but something about the idea of springing back into shape after being stretched and bent or compressed, essentially pushed out of your element. Um, Those of us who work in advertising recognize that that is something we quite often times have to do. So I'll start with the first question. Um, How do you stay resilient at work? Why is it important? And why is this important, especially in the advertising industry? who wants to take the first stab? I don't even think I put it through that lens of being resilient. It's just, I don't want to fucking lose. Like, that's just the way I, that I look at it. I don't, when I approach these sorts, sorts of situations where, and I told this to my boss one day where, you know, we were talking about something challenging. And I said, well, I don't ever walk into a room expecting to not win. And that's what kind of keeps me bouncing back, where it's like, all right, cool, if this isn't going in my favor, how can I change the trajectory of the situation to work in my failure? And I think that's kind of the mindset that I approach most stuff with, is like, I don't, I don't want to lose, especially as, as a creative. It's kind of like, well, what is this problem? If I'm a creative, then I should be able to solve for it. Sometimes solving for it looks like walking away or someone may see that as giving up but for me like that's that's sort of the resilient thing is like how do i ensure that i win in this situation regardless of circumstances so in one of the links that uh that you all set out today it says that resilience is about being authentic um and i think about you a lot because it's also you know they manage change and setback Resilient employees work in accordance with their values and strengths. And I feel like you especially constantly bring that. So as a creative in an industry where you are constantly being told, you know, tweak it, rework it, Mm -hmm. rewrite it, do it over, don't like it, different image, different concept, you have to be resilient because some people are just like, oh, nope, I'm done, I'm good, I'm out. To hell with you, forget it. So I think that that's... uh, you know, that's a necessity. And then in, when it comes to diversity, you know, you can't, everybody says, I can't be that person that's like, 
fuck it, not doing it. Because you don't want to look like, I don't want to be the angry black woman. I don't want to be the angry black man. And, and, and you wear that on you every single day, every single day. So you're constantly resilient in that sense because you have to just smile, take a step back, yeah. think about how am I going to approach this a different way, come up with a better solution, I'm not taking this personally, we're collaborating, how can I make this better? I think, because <laughs> as an account person, you kind of get punched and it's more of like, how can you coil back, recoil, I guess. Um, in times that I fail, that I failed, and the first time that I failed, um, it was in my diversity program and the thing that I learned is that I put it as a ball. Like, you can either be a basketball or you can be a bowling ball. And the idea is if it, you get thrown out there and you fall, are you gonna bounce back or are you just gonna stay in you know, your funk? You know, you're just gonna be sad. Um, for me, I always have to remember that when I do fail because Failure is going to happen. It's inevitable. It's just how are you going to bounce back from that? How are you going to take a step back and and think about, okay, what did I do? What what could be done? What could I have done better? Whatever. And just move forward with that despite the outcome. I think I've made more peace with that, you know, since the first time I failed at an agency and um even now when failures do happen like it's just like you dust yourself off and you come back up and you have to be authentic in the fact that you're not perfect and though we do strive for perfection in this industry like perfection is our everyday thing everything that comes out must be perfect um you're gonna fail at times and you have to bounce back like you just can't stay put i think that it, it failure, you know, when I, with my interns, I would say, this is a safe place. You should fail. There was a great article uh, recently. I don't know how recent. I don't know if it was one of those that were recirculated, but Sarah Blakely, the woman who created mm -hmm. Spanx, mm -hmm. wrote this awesome article, and every day she would come home from school, and her father would say to her, how did you fail today? You know, not how many A's did you get? How did, like, how did you fail today? And then she, she would talk about it and he would get her to realize. And, you know, that became her entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, is running a billion dollar company now and is thinking about different ways to, you know, continue to create. And that is, you know, the defi definition of resilience. So I think, you know, you have to continue to fail because from failing you learn, okay, well, let me look at it this way. And, if, if people are striving for perfection, it should be, it's, it, we're not striving for perfection, we're striving for what is going to click with our consumers, right. what is gonna make somebody go, that's it, that, that speaks to me. And it doesn't have to be perfect, it shouldn't have to be perfect. I think with perfection, there are so many flaws attached to that concept that you know it, it's important to be able to say, yeah, totally screwed up i'm good with that i learned from that i'll make sure it doesn't happen again you know also through when you're looking at it through the lens of perfection i think one of the things that a lot of us who are the, the consumer of the things that we perceive to be perfection like we rarely ever see the failures like there's so many failures that are attached to developing an app or developing music or whatever the case may be there are all these things that happen behind the scenes that that are failures and what we're 
the final outcome that we're seeing is the resilience um, coming into fruition where you fail and you fail and you fail and you then you get it right or you get it to the to the place where you're most uh, content with whatever it is that you're putting out there. So my, com- I, I, I want to answer the question, uh, the second portion of the question, which is talking about, which is b- basically asking why is this important, especially in the advertising industry. But I wanted to give another perspective to failure. So um, growing up, and I don't know how much I've talked about Ricky on this show, as I've talked about Sonia and Felicia, those are my parents. I speak to them and Ricky and Sonia to other people so that it's clear like what the relationship is, but I will never say that to their face. They will never <laughs> know that I call them my, don't tell. Demetrius, <laughs> don't tell. So one of the things, so I used to, my father, my mother and father um, enrolled my brother and I in Taekwondo growing up, so shout out to everybody that has their hands registered because they reached their black boat like me right so technically i I carry (laughs) weapons every day like it's really exciting it's so exciting sometimes when i talk about it but um one of the things that my father really pushed uh pushed my brother and i to believe is that you can't fail unless you quit so for me there was never a failure i grew up never believing that I had ever failed at anything unless I had given up on it. Mm-hmm. And that what we were doing was going through the test in order to get to the win. So much like playing video games, as long as you keep playing and get to another level, you never actually lost the game until you just stopped playing the game for that day, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how I've always approached life or work or anything is if I'm not afraid to fail because I don't believe that I'm failing unless I quit then there's really nothing for me to fear as as uh, in terms of making myself feel like a winner or or being resilient Um, and I find that that helps me in meetings or in new situations you start a new job you go to a meeting with a super senior person, you're in a first client meeting, you're presenting work, and all of a sudden you just don't want to be wrong, but I can't be wrong if I'm learning, because if everything is a test, then I can acquire more information to help me uh, do this better the next time. So that's that's one thing that's helped with my resilience. What I do, what I, why I feel that resilience is so important, or why it's important to kind of bounce back quickly and not sit and sulk in apparent failures or apparent losses um, is because I've always, so I talk about it all the time with you guys, I never cared about about advertising, never wanted to be in advertising in college, used to make fun of everybody, thought everybody in advertising was whack because you wanted to be in entertainment. And now here I am and I'm eating my words, right? But I always felt that advertising set people up to fail. I came into this industry feeling like I wasn't supposed to succeed. And because I'm not supposed to succeed, I'm going to do everything in my power to show you or to show everyone why it's important to be here. And I feel like that, I'm not saying everyone has to feel that way, but I do find that the people that step into into situations where there's everything against them from whether it be from society's perspective, from bylaws, from past experiences, that there's no way you can win or there's no way you can grow, then you can throw everything at me. And even if I don't make it here, there's another agency that will take me. There's somebody that's gonna like my perspective. There's something here 
that I know that nobody else knows, which, you know, I say that also all the time where nobody knows more than you. We just know different things. And if we're able to sit at a table and contribute all the all the holes that each of us are missing, then eventually we can build a stronger project or a, a stronger product, rather, um, that can change lives, change culture, change the world, etc. cetera. Um, advertising, from my perspective, it, if, if you're sensitive, if you're worried about losing or you're worried about being perfect, it can eat you alive. If you're worried about making change and bringing change to, to, to culture or, or bringing learnings to the table or being the person that adds value and not just is the value, then I feel like it's easier to, to bounce back from the negativities that we talk about, especially as it uh, pertains to diversity and inclusion. If we are the bounce back kids, then we can show like, you know, it's not that bad to be here. Right, and I think you hit on a, a, a good point about ha adding value. And I think once you, and I think just speaking from my perspective, um, the earlier years in advertising were extremely difficult because I couldn't, it was almost like every no was like you saying that I wasn't that I wasn't worth it. I wasn't enough. But then you get to that point where you have to start looking at what you've contributed, even the small wins. So you, you start looking at the small things that you've, especially if you're, and I, I'm just speaking about this from the perspective of a creative. So you're at these agencies, especially if you're someone who's fighting for work, right? So you're underallocated, undervalued, undermanaged, all those things. And so you you may just get a social post, like you may just get one tweet that you have to work on. You see everyone else working on something bigger, um, but then you start realizing that even that little tweet is valuable. Like it's 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 worth something. So understanding that the little things that you contribute um, to the table, like that's that's worth something. So when you have those those, I don't know if you want to call it a failure or something doesn't go your way. Um, when you realize that, you know, that's just one thing that's along this long journey of things that you're going to um, accomplish, it helps you bounce back a little bit quicker. It helps you take the nose with a grain of salt. You start, I think one of the things for me that, that I realized was every no is, is, and it's probably also being a middle child, like every no is a way to kind of connive and figure out how to get a yes out of somebody. Well, it's why did you say no? Why, why didn't this go the way that we wanted it to go? And using those insights to get a win or get a yes later on to me. And that's, that's part of the way that I, that I approach resilience because the goal is to get yeses. Like we're supposed to sell things through. Or to get that one yes that means yeah. everything, that overrides all the no's. And so the, the best way to do it, I mean, especially in advertising, it's like this is supposed to be built off of insights. And the only way that you can get insights is from, you know, figuring out how to utilize those occurrences and those situations to your benefit. Yes. So I have another question. There are moments where whether it's your fault or not, you're a part of a huge debacle in the workplace, whether it's you're a part of a pitch that the agency doesn't win or you're involved in, an, uh, in a negative and engagement or altercation with another coworker or someone says something that completely um, changes people's perspective of you for the negative. What are some 
what are what are good ways or what is the best way to handle um to handle yourself at work or to remain resilient at work in the face of missteps or challenges that you face in the workplace i feel like felicia i feel like i feel like so a few things (laughs) i feel like i feel like you should take this one a there's a pitch team there's never one person and if the client didn't go with your execution that is not on one on one person you know that so you can't be beholden to that but what i have learned is that there is freedom in saying you know what you're right that's on me i made a mistake a colleague of mine you know would just be like oh sorry yeah i made a mistake and just watching her i was like oh my god that is so freeing so when a manager came up to me and was like um is my whole team going to this event and nobody gave me a heads up? And I stood there and in my head I was like, did his whole team not give him a heads up? Are you kidding me? You must be kidding me. Instead, I just looked at him and I go, you all right? Absolutely. And it was like, you know, sort of like what? Wait, you're going to drag me to the principal's office? Am I going to the dean's office? No. So there is an incredible um, feeling of like, yeah, I'm owning up to it. But I think it's too, like, if it's a pitch, that that is not on you. That is a whole team. That is a collaboration. That is the most senior person signing off on that and saying, let's go with it. We gave it our best shot. But I think being resilient is saying, you know what? You're right. I did screw up. I'm learning from it. I'm going to move forward and taking the ownership. I think that is incredibly enlightening, and I think that that helped build character. And then, you know, you're not afraid. I mean, what's going to happen? I remember in a in a situation somebody was like yelling at me and i was like my grandmother raised me and she has passed on so nobody gets to yell at me anymore because at the end of the day you put on your pants one leg at a time like i do except for the man in the wheelbarrow god bless (laughs) (laughs) i was wondering how he got around then you said the stick i was like that makes sense so you know what we are all you're not you're not more holier than I am. We're all in this together. Um, and that resiliency keeps you from coming back and, and staying um, steadfast and not losing hope and, and continuing to believe that you are doing the best work you possibly can. I think ownership is so it's not even it's freeing and it's mature because not even maturity <laughs> is doesn't for me I always thought maturity aligned with age that's not true don't ask me why I believe that but I did that was an expectation and it's not true like it's mature to say like I did this I messed up I know I made the mistake and just move forward from it I totally agree you know um just piggybacking off that ownership um I had a really inter- interesting um, conversation over Gchat like five years ago with Nisha Tweed, who was uh, a guest on the show. Um, I have what I like to call a board of directors. A lot of people don't know that they're on it, um, but they're they're kind of the people who, when shit goes crazy, they're the ones who I have chats with. I've had chats with Felicia, Kai, Karina, um, and I was at an agency, and she and I were talking over Gchat. Uh, and I was 
basically telling her what was going on and she she told me to shut the fuck up um <laughs> and she said she's a wise woman <laughs> with many she, wise words she she said you're you're complaining instead of figuring out how to um solve it and that brief encounter i remember i sat there and i read it a few times and i go oh she's just she just told me to shut the fuck up um but it it really changed my perception on ownership because when things don't go the way that I want them to go, the first question that I ask myself now is, what did I contribute to the situation? Um, what did I do? What did I say? Um, can I back the things up that I did or, or, or said? And usually that's kind of where, I guess, part of the resilience comes in because if I feel like I can back it up and it didn't go my way, then oh well. It's like I, I did everything that I could possibly do in this situation to ensure um, success and whatever didn't happen the way that I needed it to happen wasn't meant to happen. And the, I mean, the other piece of ownership and, and please, you, you touched on it briefly is if if it's not your shit to own, don't own it either. Like not to bring this fan up, but I, this was one of the greatest life lessons via uh, reality television that I've ever experienced, right? It was the first season of The Apprentice and 40, that man um, and uh, T-Boss from TLC who at the, who is like, my, like that is who I wanted to grow up and be as a child. I'm obsessed with TLC. I'm not too proud to beg. I wanted to have the ill haircut like T-Boss. So when T-Boss was on the first season of The Apprentice, you know I was there for all the episode she was on. It was like one episode. Um, and one thing that she did on the show was basically her team failed and Trump was like, why'd you fail? And she was like, cause it's my fault. And he was like, cool, you're fired. And the lesson from that was don't own shit that you don't own. If you're not the reason for the failure, then don't, it's, it doesn't necessarily make the situation better to just have anybody be the hero or the martyr rather in that situation. It's important to recognize like what you what you can do better if you did all you could and you can't and there's nothing else that you could do better just own it that there will not like everything will not work out perfectly because all of the steps are taken to get to perfection um, and I mean I've experienced that at work also and it's like well why did this happen and and Kai, you're the project manager, and you're supposed to look after the project, the process, and you're supposed to make sure everybody's perfect. It's like, listen, we can sit here and check boxes all day, but I did my, I did my part, and I did it to the best of my ability, my knowledge, and the insight that I had. And out of nowhere came this curveball, and I cannot, you know, you have to be able to accept when you cannot account for curveballs. You can't account for UFOs. You can't account for you know hurricanes and tornadoes and really crazy parents and laws like you just have to accept things as they come um and not to take that additional pressure on um to say that it was my fault or i should have like you can't always do better sometimes you did your best with what you what you knew or what you had i love the the story like the the person goes i don't know what to tell you that's above my pay grade and just and that's it and people are like Oh, okay, and you're sitting there going, I am sitting here trying to apologize eight different ways till Tuesday, and this and this one person just went, Shh, I don't know what to tell you, and I'm a pay grade. You're like, I have to learn from that. Less is more. There you go. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but if I know that I could do better, then, you know, then I think about that. But if you did all you could, then you did all you could. You did, you, you know, you put your best foot out there, and if it <laughs> fails, it fucks up, then it's like, then it fucks up. Listen, my thing is this. I am a big klutz. I've fallen in front of hundreds and thousands, at least it felt like hundreds of thousands, probably tens of thousands of people at Summer Jam. I have fallen on wearing no shoes, uh, on like on a stage in front of people. I have had costumes ripped. I have I have just had all of the things you never want to happen. Let me tell you. It sometimes it's just you just you just it just happened. It's not a fault. I didn't know that the costume was gonna rip. I didn't realize that the dress wasn't secure. I didn't know that even if you weren't wearing shoes that you could slip and almost, like, things just happen and you take the good with the bad and you just keep it pushing. There's always, there's always time to worry about being wrong or embarrassed or the person to be blamed later. We don't have time for that. Let's just drink and be merry. Um, so with that being said, oh, I had a story because you said costumes falling, but (laughs) um, so (laughs) I went to an arts high school and you have to audition. I went to an arts middle school and I went to an arts high school. So during my high school audition in when you're when you're dancing, I used to ballet dance, um, used to be a ballet dancer, I should say. You learn if anything falls, like if your hat falls, if your shoe flies and hits somebody in the head, you keep going. You keep doing the five, six, seven, eight. You still stay on your mark. You could flop, get back up. You keep going. You finish. It's all about how you finish the dance. Like Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Like Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Queen. Anyway, so it's my high school audition. And I'm doing my audition, and it's an open audition in the sense that everybody who is auditioning is your audience. So you have your judges, and you have everyone who's auditioning. It meant nothing because everybody from my middle school and high school, they were auditioning for the same thing. I already knew all of them anyway. It's like dancing in front of your friends. Anyway, or enemies in that case. But anyway, (laughs) I'm doing my audition, and I'm like, okay, it's going good, you know, they're smiling, like, Karina, focus, look in the mirror, you know, do your thing. My leotard starts mm. slipping down. I'm a preteen, you know, mm. and it's slipping, 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 and I finish, and it got, it was close, and the piece was over. And my friend goes, I almost saw your nip, and I was like, <laughs> stuck it, stuck it to the end. Got into high school. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you gotta, I don't know, do some strange <laughs> things for some change. I don't, sometimes I'm not sure. Sometimes you just have to keep dancing. <laughs> I mean, who knows what would have happened if your leotard didn't rent. I mean, but piggyback- Where would you be today? <laughs> but piggybacking off that story, everyone remembers when Beyonce fell down the steps. And I think 
she, when she got up and just kept on dancing. Or her with, hair with, got with, caught with in the blood, fan. With blood or the falling, time she forgot yeah. the words. Maybe I just remember all of them. Because I don't I remember all of those. But I do remember her just falling saying. down the steps and blood on her leg. And she just kept dancing like nothing happened. Yeah, no, she's amazing. I mean, she's the queen of who said what? Um, <laughs> with that being said, so I think this is a good time. Like, <laughs> we talked about other personal moments, but once you've gotten to your career, just um, a question to the table. Once you've gotten to, into your career, what was a defining moment or, or even the most uh, important moment in which you felt that because that happened, you were able to build your, res- your resilience within, um, within your career? Anybody want to take it? I feel like I have to think too. I don't know. Maybe uh, the first time. Maybe the well, maybe when I got I got uh, laid off or let go or fired, depending on who you talk to, how the story <laughs> goes or whatever. And I mean, like that was really early in my career, and that is literally the worst thing that could happen to you in your mind when you start off in the industry and you start off finally being independent and you don't live at home and you're the one paying your bills the worst thing that could happen is that they take your livelihood away um and what i learned i think that was a that was a situation um that was actually while Simeon and i were working together um at that god-awful place (laughs) that shall remain nameless. (laughs) well shall remain nameless (laughs) but um it was everything leading up to that point i felt like i was doing my best I was doing everything was being documented I was following processes I was following up with people and it was just never good enough and you're doing everything you can so that people change their mind about you only for them to say you know what you really want to start building this team around Tim so in order to do that I think it's best that we part ways and you're still trying to figure out what does that mean? Like part ways, like you want me to go sit on the other side of like the office or like, you mean you want me to like go work upstairs? You want me on a different account? It's like, oh, oh no, you're telling me to go. Um, and you go and you cry and you sit with yourself and you wonder about all the things that you could have did better and all of the ways you should have just kept your mouth shut or all of the ways that you probably should have spoken up. And then you get your first, unemployment check and you realize you know what this really isn't so bad because my bills are paid (laughs) there's food in the fridge and I have extra time to do things that I want to do and not to say that that was exactly the order of how things transpired but immediately after it happened I booked a trip to go on vacation because I was like this actually doesn't hurt as bad as I thought it would also all this time that I was putting a lot of my energy into pleasing or trying to please or be like people that quite honestly were not invested in me as a, as a team member at the time, I should have been taking my days off. They didn't pay out my vacation days. I should have been spending more time focusing on myself instead of going home at night with chest pains and, 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 and having insomnia at night. And what it showed me then is, the worst thing you can do is let me go, and it's the best thing for me because, I mean, in the post, uh, in the articles that I wrote the other day, we shouldn't be working together if we don't align on values. Um, and then I kind of came back not giving a fuck about anything and literally just <laughs> who I am now is who I am because of that place. So God bless them, but they can kick rocks too. I mean, my, my first job in uh, media sales um, 
was probably the place where I realized that I can talk back um, and that I didn't have to take shit. Um, I was there for seven years because this was like the height of the recession and like nobody was hiring um, and all my friends were getting fired and or not finding jobs. But that was probably top three worst places I've ever worked. Um, heard all the racist shit that you could ever hear in the confines of a building. Um, but I remember there was this project that I was working on um, where my boss kicked off the project wrong and the project was taking longer than it should have and I heard his boss ask him why the project was taking so long and he said well Simeon's fucking it up and I was like oh and from there it just kind of like started spiraling out of control to the point where I got written up um, but in the midst of all of that what I realized um, was I remember I was in DC and there was a whole bunch of shit that went that happened and I was driving back to New York and this this thought process was going through my head of well what now like you're waking up you basically can wake up in the best mood ever get off the train start walking to work hit the block and immediately like fall into uh, depression right and so there was just like this this long period of time of like going to work coming home drinking going to sleep um, but then I realized like there's this I realized that I had options and I think when you're when you're in the midst of shit fucking up to the point where you're like I don't know what to do like there's always an option and I think that's like the best thing to remember when you're in a place that requires resilience where that job it's only a job like it's literally only work um, very few of us, I doubt anyone who's saving lives is listening to this podcast, but if you are, you can keep your job. But to the, to the, to the rest of us who are, who are not saving lives on a daily basis, literally not slaving, saving lives, there's another job, like literally kind of doing that right now, where you start, and I used to be the most paranoid person about all my friends who quit jobs, get fired. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? How are you going to pay your rent? And they're just like, I'll figure it out. And I think that's like the biggest thing that I've learned over the last few years is like, you're not gonna starve. <laughs> like this is just the reality, like you're not gonna starve. Um, you may not be able to pay your rent, but you know, this is New York City or hopefully you live in a state where, you know, they can't just kick you out tomorrow. Um, unlike places like Atlanta where you, you know, you, you drive 90 <laughs> days, you, you drive down the street and whole apartments are, are, are on the curb. Like there, there are so many different things that you can do. Understanding that you have options is probably the strongest shit that you can ever, that can, the strongest thought process that could ever happen. Um, this was probably also like one of the most fucked up years um, employed, but the day that I was like, oh shit, I have options. Like, it's extremely powerful and freeing because you, you're not confined to, and when you start thinking about resilience, right? So there's, there's certain things that happen in life where you just need to go through the process of grieving, like death and um, losing friends or relationships or whatever the case may be. But when it comes to 
work and dealing with the actions of other people, you have options. Like those are not the only people on the planet that you can work with. That's not the only employer on the planet that you can work with. As long as you are taking ownership for your actions and understand your value, you have options and you can find another job, you can freelance, you can go anywhere in the world, New York, wherever you are, Jersey, DC, that's not the only place that needs you. So you have options and understanding that you have options is to me is always the best starting point for resilience. I think you also have your village and you forget. The village, yes. you have your village. And when, when things happen, when you you know, that happened to you in the beginning of your career and that and that kind of defined you. So for, you know, anyone who's been under a rock, we all know, you know, when you've been in your position for close to 15 years and then all of a sudden, you know, your position is eliminated and you're kind of like, wait, what? So A, you're humble because if you never thought that you could be on the receiving end of that, you know, shame on you because it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. But number two, it's sort of like, yeah, it's, it's sort of, you know, you're mourning like, wait, what just happened here and well how about all these things that I created and how are they going to exist and then you come home and you're like I have a roof over my head and my children are healthy my family like god forbid something happens I'm I'm safe and I'm fine and I'm here with my kids and that is at the end of the day that's what truly matters because you know what if you're a superstar and you're excellent you can just go somewhere else and be excellent and sometimes it's the kick in the pants that you need because maybe you've just been walking in you know the same sandbox and not getting anywhere um, and and you need to you need to spread your wings so there there's a lesson there's a lesson when it happens in the beginning of your career there's a lesson you know some of us are looking at their husband going well when you tell me I can retire that'd be a good day <laughs> do, you, do you have the winning lottery ticket no okay mama's got to go back out there but you know it's interesting to see okay what comes next and then just to be have that just to have that time I found that I really um, not that I hibernated because I didn't want to hide, but it was really, really nice to just be in the confines of, of home and the neighborhood and, you know, with family. And it was the favorite season. I was at the beach and it was awesome. And then, you know, different opportunities and people find you. But what I think is most important is that your village is there and raises you up and says, you know what? we still think you're a superstar so you know take this time and it will happen and you know especially to be able you know i love how you were like yeah i'm not really doing anything well well, i have this video (laughs) and i have this thing i have this business i was in jamaica on a business pitch but it's like listen to you You, you've got like a million things going on and you know would you be participating in those things if you were still you know working that that grind every single day who knows but it's an awesome place you're you know, you, you're walking taller, you're standing up straight, and, and right. I really, I feel like everything <laughs> happens for a reason, and, and you learn, uh, you know, it, it's just this incredible process of, okay, so this happened, and I dusted myself off, and look at me, I'm, I'm still standing, and I think that that enables me to help other people who are kind of like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know how to start, I don't know how to finish, I don't know how to get out of this, Um, you know, and that's the best part of what I'm able to do, whether it's, you know, where I'm currently working or if I'm helping or, you know, even through Madison's Collective is to be able to say, you know, all things are possible. Nothing is, nothing is impossible. And, you know, if somebody is, you know, talking down to you or is treating you differently, then, you know, first and foremost, you stand up for yourself. And if you need somebody else to, well, I'm right behind you. 
100%. The village can also be your gang. <laughs> they are. I mean, because I, I think that, you know, when I, when I look at a lot of my resilience um, or whatever it is, going through shit, there's usually the first process or the first step is usually talking shit with your friends. Like you're getting it off your chest. Um, and I think if, if you don't have that village around you, you should start surrounding your, yourself with those people. Cause when I look at my first job and when I was going through all of that stuff, I didn't, I was really young and most of my friends were still in college and I, they couldn't relate to what I was, what I was going through. Fast forward to me being in advertising where there's always somebody that I can talk to who who gets it, who understands it, who went through similar things that can sort of offer a different perspective to the situation to sort of spark that resilience um, from to, you know, from that can, that can spark that resilience. Because I think that's like a key thing that everyone kind of needs. Like you need. I like I call them my board of directors because they're literally the people who I'm going to ask for advice and I know that I can trust and it's like all right cool well I spoke to Kai spoke to Felicia spoke to Nisha spoke to Karina all right now what's the consensus uh what's that common ground amongst everyone where it's like all right cool fight back then you know you fight back but there's also I mean not to you know, walk away from this, but there's also stages. I mean, it's, right. it's there's grief and there's anger and you there's sadness, and you have to go through them. It's you know, it's similar to oh my God, I lost something, I mm-hmm. lost somebody, and it is perfectly normal, perfectly yeah. normal, and that is why your village and your gang and your people are there because they're there to say it's okay, cry, get it off your chest, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't hold on to that anger. You get to be angry for two days, and then you're gonna let it go, and you're gonna move on. And it's important to 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 go through those different stages as well. Definitely. Because I mean, and I, to bring it all full circle, like that's what builds resilience. Like you have mm-hmm. to know where you are in each of those states. You have to know you're angry. You have to know that now you're hurt. Be- like any anytime something happens that. Uh, be, is an offense to who you are as a person, to who you are, who your deepest character is. Like it, it physically hurts, and it's okay to admit that. No matter how much you don't like the situation, you don't like the people in the situation, or whatever. Also, it's okay to realize that, like, a, it was my fault, or b, it's not my fault. It's okay to like recognize what role you played in whatever the situation that has happened to you that now requires your resilience and then after you go through all of that like you have to decide how do you move forward um and being clear about what that next step is and that it is a next step and that it's not like your final for me like that's not your failure because i'm taking a a next step to do something either different or better or stronger etc um so with that being said, this is the time that we generally talk about solutions because although we bitch all the time on this show, it's really important that we're at least productive about our bitching. Um, so any final words, any thoughts about how to be resilient, um, encourage resilience from your community, or just thoughts on resilience in general? I mean, I think for me, I just kind of touched on it where it's like, you know, you surround yourself by people who you admire. Um, I think that's, that was probably one of the biggest, um, 
things that I did in my late 20s where I just literally started surrounding myself with people. I'm like, oh, you're the shit. I like that. We're going to be friends. <laughs> like, it's, I like, it's. I like it, your checklist. No. Be, oh, I see you. Like, you're cool. We can be cool. <laughs> so, like, I, I joke about it a lot, but yeah, I'm a hood rat. Like, I like hood rat shit. <laughs> um, and so my early 20s were, like, hanging around hood rats. <laughs> um, but then, like, you, you, you hit that point, especially when I was at that first job where I was like, all right, cool. Well, I, I kind of need to. I need a plan B because this shit is not working out. Um, I can't keep getting drunk every day. My pockets don't allow it. <laughs> well, I drink Hennessy and that's expensive. So um, my pockets can't allow it and I want to do something. And so I started, as I was meeting people, I was like, you know what? I like you. I'm, I'm going to Facebook request you. Like, I, you're the shit. So I started surrounding myself with those people. And you know what? That old adage about the people who are around you reflect who you are like dope shit is contagious. Like you can't be a shitty person around dope people. They won't have you (laughs) like, that's just, that's just the reality. So when you start surrounding yourself by with dope people, when, when that, those moments come when you need resilience, you're not starting from scratch. Like you're starting from a place of, you know what? I saw so-and-so go through something similar what did they do? All right, cool. I know I know kind of what the framework looks like for being resilient. So I would say if if you are in those situations, take a look around you. Figure out who's around you. Would you take advice from them? If you <laughs> No, but this is it's 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 real because you know, I think that for me like I started taking advice from people. In my early 20s, I was like, I got this. Like, nah, I really don't need the advice. And so I started taking advice from people who were doing dope shit. Um, and and the other thing is, it's being transparent. It's asking for things, right? So it's if you're going through something and you're around dope people, whether it's having them look at your resume or do you know someone at this company, like asking for things. And I think that's those are... To me, those were the biggest things that I did in my late 20s where I was like surrounding myself with dope people, asking for help when you need it. Like it's it's okay to ask for help, especially like and, – and I kind of was taking that whole machismo shit to the next level where it's like I don't need help. I'm going to figure this shit out by myself. But asking for help, to me, that, that was probably the most important things that I did to start being resilient because when I did those things – my life changed incredibly after that. Would be to be authentic with yourself and and know what is the word? Is it mindfulness? I don't know what the, it could the, be. I don't know. What you the, made up words last last episode. I don't know what so that word is. But to one. be aware of your self awareness, you know, you have to be self aware. I mean, I'm going through a situation now where I don't know what's right or left, but I do know what I learned from it. I do know what I, who I want to be after. And I'm okay. I've made peace with it, with that, whatever, whichever the outcome may be. I, I learned from the experience, and I know better, and that's all you can do when something happens. 
Right. It's um, a person's ability to bounce back from and grow and thrive during a challenge, change, adversity. It's not enough just to bounce back. You have to develop a thicker coat of armor so that you don't stress so much in the future. Self-care, absolutely, tremendous, incredibly important because if you're not taking care of you, you can't be a better version of yourself. Yeah, and I, I just always like to be honest with yourself. I think this was a big, this has been my thing all year to be more honest with myself. And it's just another lesson. Uh, I'm happy that I have a good village. I have good people in my corner who can tell me to chill out and whatever and, and be real and honest with me. So, you know, that's my little takeaway. <laughs> yeah, I think all, all that's good. I have two things. So the first thing is, um, or the first suggestion that I have for people when trying to build your personal resilience is to take note of your wins. Um, physically, take notes of your wins and write them down. Um, save letters or notes people write to you because I find that oftentimes it feels like the world goes so hard to try to break you down that you forget that somebody gave you a compliment in the morning or that you actually helped the team pull through with an, a serious project. Um, and when you're sitting down and you're sulking in your worst and darkest moments, it's really nice to like have take a moment to open up, whether it's that um, notepad on your on your laptop or look at that wall uh, in your apartment um, or wherever it is, and just remember that although yes, yeah, somebody did just tell you somebody did just tell you that you fucked up. Somebody else told you how great you were. Somebody else told you that you smelled good. Somebody said they liked the shampoo you used today. It helped add more volume. Somebody told you that you were a real team player. Somebody told you that you helped, you know, change their life or change their mood in a moment. And remind yourselves of those moments because for every moment that you ain't shit, you probably have 10 more moments where you were dope shit. And I know we joke about that a lot on the podcast, but it, it really is important to remember that. And I talked about believing your own hype last episode. Like, you have to be the one to believe your hype no matter what Spike Lee says. Because if you, or sorry, public enemy, because if you don't believe your own hype, it's really hard for you to sell yourself to other people. Um, and you have to be your biggest advocate. The other suggestion that I want to throw out there is actually not of my own thought, but is of a great conversation that I had with my colleagues, of course, during homecoming, because that's what we do. We go to homecoming, we have brunch, we get really drunk and really philosophical. Um, and it was in, I'll set it up. So the conversation was a set of lawyers, a pastor, um, some people that work in advertising, and some teachers. It's a really diverse group of professionals. <laughs> Um, I automatically thought that this would be a really good moment for us to decide to invest in something because these are really important people in other people's lives at this table right now, just being really ratchet. During this ratchet conversation, we were talking about how in the workplace, oftentimes we feel um, inadequate. And one of the people at the table brought it to our attention that um, we what we should be doing is approaching situations from the perspective of um, basically being a have and not a have not. 
um, specifically when it comes to people of color and women, oftentimes we will approach situations from a place of lack, like we're not good enough or that we have to compete or that there's so many challenges up against us. And yes, many of the times these things are true. However, if we go into situations um, with all of those things that equal lack or not having enough of or not being good enough, we will likely, um, essentially we will likely expect to get less than what we deserve. Instead of going into situations, understanding that you are a person that is educated, no matter how perfect or, or how traditionally educated you are, you you are smart, you are great, you are wonderful, you do great things, and you have something to bring to the table. And approaching every situation as if you have more than enough to bring to the table will likely help um, how your confidence is perceived by other people. Um, and that's half the battle, is that confidence piece and, and just being solid in the fact that you know your worth, even if nobody else knows your worth when you come to the table to make a deal or negotiate a salary or give that great idea that's gonna help with that new business pitch or sell that, that piece of creative into a client. Like, you have to know that your shit is so popping that they would want to smell that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, make your list of all the great things you do in the world and approach life from a place of having it all and not lacking um, so other people can basically catch that vibe off of you. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close out. Felicia, thank you so much for coming yeah, to episode yeah, yeah. 37. Thank you. So dope having you here and having part of the conversation. D, thank you for being here. Don't tell my mom I said all these things. Um, <laughs> um, as you guys know, you can hit us up on all the social medias, all social media platforms. Uh, we're on Instagram at Ask Mixed Company. At Ask Mix Company, we are also on Facebook at Mix Company Podcast, um, Gmail, Ask Mix Company. Also, we're, our website is up. We didn't even talk about that. Our website is up for real, for real, for real this time. Awesome. Um, that's kind of a feat. It took long enough, but at, on the website, you can definitely go to find out more about Karina, Simeon, and I and seeing what we have going on. You can also listen to past episodes, and you can write to us directly from the website um, and read articles that we have posted to LinkedIn and other publications in the past. And that is Mixed Company Podcast or AskMixedCompany.com? No, the first one. MixedCompanyPodcast.com. I'll get it right the next time. Y'all know it takes me a while. Other than that, we look forward to the communication. Join us someday for... Mixed company and conversations. Keep listening. Keep shouting us out. Peace. Later, guys. Night. Happy Halloween. Bye.